Welcome to Bayside's podcast. Our prayer is that this message will bring you some love, truth and life into all that you do. Well, so I was sharing from the heart. So last week I gave a recap um, uh, the history of giving in the Bible and a history which consisted of tithes, how it looked after the priests and how uh, it looked after the Levites as well, those that serve in the temple. Everyone remember that? We went, did, did an overview of offerings, what they were about, how it covered the cost of celebrations uh, for various festivals throughout the year and different bits and bobs. And also arms, which last week I pronounced alms. It's not alms, it's arms. So I'm sorry that my Australian accent got in the way and I read the word as it's spelt. (laughs) Alms. But it's giving to the needy, giving to people who don't have what we have. And back in the old, in, in the culture of the Israelites, what they would do is they would leave the edge of their fields to grow wild so that the poor or the needy could have some dignity and go out and get some food for themselves. And, uh, and help themselves. Uh, then we went over the fact that giving comes from the heart, that it's an inside job. You know, our founding pastors, Chad and Jay Mansbridge, they would always say that the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. And it really rings true when it comes down to our finances. A uh, couple of things that I thought I could go over this week was I could, uh, you know, sit down and I could prepare a nice PowerPoint and I could show you, you know, a good way to budget. Who here would like some budgeting tips? No one. Yeah, that's what I thought. You're all adults here, so you probably don't need budgeting tips. You know, you've, you've got it all sorted. Um, or I could go into probably the New Testament and, and what that means you know, for us in a a modern day church. And I think that's where we're going to head today. But I really felt on my heart to sort of speak from the heart, speak from my own experience. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here today and let you into my world and sort of share on different thoughts around money, tithing and, uh, and where it comes. So it might... Might go from here to there to back here and then forward again. But I hope that you, I, I, in fact, I pray that God reveals something to you, that he encourages you in some way. Because as Jesus famously said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And I want my heart to be with Jesus. I want my heart to be fully, wholly sold out for the kingdom. And it's something that we always need to refocus our heart on. Jesus tells us that what you're invested in, well, that is where your heart is. And that is where your attention goes to because that's what you value. Let's pray this morning as we get around the word. Father God, Holy Spirit, I need your help. (laughs) This morning I pray that you speak through me. I pray that you speak to people where they are at. I pray that you encourage, that you empower that you invigorate, that you make them realise that money is a tool and that you own it all anyway and that it's best in your hands. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, 
as we come and we gather wisdom from your throne room, Lord. Lead us. Amen. So I'm going to take a comfortable seat here. And I'm going to flick right down to the bottom of my notes. One thing over the years, as I have been sitting in church, worshipping God, being a Christian, I've been in many different places. We were in in one church for a large period of time and they would always do a tithe message. And I'd always sit there and be like, okay, all right, this is good. You know, I'm, I'm learning about... The purpose of money, you know, that, that in the Old Testament people gave tithes, which was 10% of their income. But I always struggled with the thought, well, hang on a sec, if I'm under a new covenant, does tithing actually, is it, is it law for me today? Is it something that I need to do? And there, as a New Testament believer, there are actually two stances on the subject when it comes to tithes. There are people that are in the camp of, well, it's not law anymore. And then there are people, and and so therefore we're not bound by it, we don't have to do it. We can just forget about that. And then they will often say that, in fact, Jesus calls us to more. So he calls us to live generously, which is bigger, isn't it? It's larger, it's, it's stretched out, it's more than 10%. And then you've got the other camp where they say that tithing is for today and we should keep that law because it's all through scripture and we even see the little parts where Jesus talked about it in the New Testament that it is to be done. Now one of the scriptures they talk about is in Matthew 23, 23 and Luke eleven forty two, And I have gone through this and sat through it and uh, it's where Jesus rebukes the Pharisees. I'm going to read it now here, Luke 11.42. I feel like you're in my living room today and we're just having a conversation. Eleven forty-two. Woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue and all kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So this is a scripture that many people will read and they'll say, well, here Jesus is saying, you need to practice the latter, which is justice and mercy, because God is a God of justice and mercy. But don't leave the former undone, which is giving a tenth of everything that you have. And I kind of find that a little bit inspiring, because Jesus is talking about tithing, but that's pretty much the one sort of scripture that we can look at in the New Testament where Jesus mentions that. Now, if we're the astute person and uh, we've done some research into this, we will say, well, that's before the cross. So what does it mean after the cross? And uh, so I'm going to just share a little bit about myself because we know that Jesus advocates for generosity on all levels, and time and time again, he models generosity to the full. In fact, one would go so far as to say that Jesus models generosity 100%. 
And for me, growing up, I struggled. See, I grew up in a housing trust in the uh, west side of Adelaide. Represent. <laughs> Down in, uh, in Findon there. Single mum. And it wasn't a matter of when times were tight, but it was a matter of times were tight all the time. And so my mum either stewarded what she had well, or we suffered. And I just want to take a moment to honour my mum, because she did a really flopping good job. She did such a good job. I was always clothed, I always had a roof over my head, I always had enough toys to play with, and uh, she did so well. She made a little go a long way. And she even had that stuff there when life hit hard. And let me tell you, it did hit hard. There were a couple of times where we found ourselves with nothing and starting again. But she still made sure we had a roof over our head, food in our bellies, and, uh, and we were schooled, educated, the whole lot. So I'm very grateful for that and how she was a good steward. Now, that being my story, I always struggled with the whole finance thing or tithing or giving to God because when I started to earn money, as I shared last, last year, week, I was going to say last year, we're in 2024, we've been here for a while, Caleb. When I shared last week, I mentioned how I stepped out in faith, hopped in my car and went on a beach mission and at the end of that, God honoured me with what he had. And I remember going to church. I went out, started earning money. I had worked hard to earn what I had earned. And information on, on tithing and stuff like that was probably accessible back then. I was probably too stingy to spend the money on the books in Kurong to go get them. And so, therefore, I had this wrestle inside. <laughs> but now we've got the internet. You know, you can Google something and you can look up stuff. So I will encourage you, if this is something where you're sitting at the moment... Do some due diligence. Get onto the internet and, and Google some stuff. Educate yourself on what, on what the Old Testament talks about and what the New Testament talks about and what God calls us to. You can find a great deal of sermons out there. Um, you can find good and bad as well. You can find a great deal of sermons that give poor context to what giving means. And this is where we ask the Holy Spirit to to flesh that out to us and say, okay, Lord, help me find out what this means for me. You know, where, where do I sit in this? So to me at that time when I was younger, there were times when I tithed and there were times when I didn't tithe. Or there would be times when I would give and there were times when I wouldn't give. And uh, I'd be like, I'm just led by the Holy Spirit to give. When a bill would come in, Somehow that would halt me in my giving. And I'd use that as like, oh, well, this week, you know, things are a little bit tight, so I might not give this week. And uh, because I would also justify it with the fact that I was serving. See, we can, we can do that as well. We can say, well, this, this week I've... Oh, man, I would, I would compartmentalise it in my head. I would think about how many hours I served on kids' ministry... And I would be like, oh, well, that's, uh, that's about 8% of my time. So I just need to do 2 more percent and then I don't have to give money. 
Don't <laughs> all been there? Good. I was going to say, don't admit it, but have we all been there? We've, like, we're real today, right? Let's, let's, just, let's just chat. We've, we've all been there. I also remember when I first met Brooke. She had have a, had a revelation of giving. And when we were first married, this would be something that we'd talk about often and even possibly a source of contention because she had a different conviction to me. And sometimes I'd see the bank statement and I'd be like, oh, she's giving again. <laughs> <laughs> she's giving again. Did, did you want to come up and share your conviction a little bit? Do, do you want it? Yeah, come on. Come on, why not? Let's invite Brooke up. Let's... We're having a heart to heart. Okay. <laughs> Put her on the spot. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Well, sure. I'll just interject. Uh, my my growing up. Um, so, as a lot of you have heard some about my story, um, I really became serious about Jesus when I was about 14 to 15. That was when I was like, I am all in. I'm not following the world's ways. Um, I want to give, you know, really give my heart to, to God. I don't want to follow and do this path. Like, he has all of me. And um, I was really stirred to minister to a lot of young people. And God was touching all the areas of my heart, all the things. And um, we were in a great church at the time. And, I, you know, our pastor did really good, you know, biblical teaching. And so to me, I was like, well, yeah, it makes sense. If God owns it all anyway, and now I am part of his family, like I want to honour him with my tithe, with my 10% and over, you know, whatever I felt to give um, and it just didn't bother me, like it just, you know, different different personalities um, a lot, we're very different um, but we do have, you know, a lot of the same values and so to me I was, you know, as a 14 year old I was uh, working at a really dodgy cash in <laughs> I'm telling everyone Anyway, a dodgy cash in hand uh, Chinese restaurant, you know. Just don't say where it is, babe. You don't want to dob stuff in, uh, you know. Um, and I was earning like $6.50 an hour you know, back in the day, which I was thrilled about. To me, I was like, I am worth working $3 for half an hour. Like, I was so happy. Um, and I worked there for a couple of years and I got my licence at 16 and, you know, had to maintain a car. And luckily it was a Datsun 1979 Sunny, so it ran on nothing. Um, but as, as I got more responsibilities and had to pay for insurance and rental and fuel, and I was driving a lot of youth around um, back then, and so I, I was using all my fuel, I still was like, God, I'm going to give to you first. And so I think that's a practical tip. You know, when I would get my um, cash... And later I graduated to a proper proper job and got it paid into my bank account and started getting super and all that stuff. Um, but when I would have it, I would be like, well, this is this is for God. This is for his house. So I would just remove it first. Like that was a practical step for me so I didn't get tempted. Um, because I think a lot of us, we think, well, when I, when I earn, um, for me, when I earn $10 an hour, you know, this is 20 years ago, when I, when I earn X amount, uh, when I've paid off my car, when I've paid off my debt, uh, when, when my uh, X, Y, Z, you know, my spouse uh, goes back to work after having kids, we start to say things to ourselves, don't we? Um, when we get to this point, then I'm going to be generous, then I'm going to give to God, because I think we all realise um, God is a generous God, and um, there's that call to live generously with our finance, because it's the most intricate thing tied with our hearts most of the time. 
But it's not when we get to this point, whatever that is in our season, it's like I'm going to choose to live generously here and now with my little, and my little often meant that I was giving money that I wanted to use to fill up my Datsun Sunny to drive all the youth kids around and to get to and from school and my job and that kind of thing. But God always came through. And we don't... I'll finish now. <laughs> we don't... Um, you gave me the mic, so you're in trouble. But... um. You know, my revelation as a teenager was like, I don't give to God to get from God, but because he is a good God, because he is a good father, he looks after me. He doesn't leave me um, unsheltered. So I was very conscious of giving my 10% weekly, fortnightly, whatever it is, and that's continued, you know, all to, all to now. Um, and God has never let us down. There have been blessings, and we've been called to give, and I think, you know, we, we wouldn't obviously share that, um, what God's put on our heart over the past to give, and some of it has been scary, but God has given back to us so, so much. Like, when our car broke down when we were early married, um, someone gave us a car that week. They were like, we're praying and we want to give you a car. Um, like, God has, he's just so good. He's a good father. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't wait. Don't wait until, <laughs> don't wait until you reach your ultimate financial goal. Be generous with now because it's the heart thing. God will not let you down. Yeah, that's good. That's good love. So we're early married and we're, we're doing life together. We've got this little conversation going and I remember there'd be times where I'd be frustrated because she would have already given the tithe or the giving for that week and I'm kind of like, babe, I was going to use it for this. And then one day I came to the conclusion, who loves revelation? I came to the conclusion, came to the revelation that if the word of God is true and he is faithful to his promises, then if I'm obedient, we will not lack any needs. And so I came to the place as a strong male participant in this relationship that if this is something she's good at, I'm going to let her do it and I'm not going to think about it. And I kind of like the literal translation of the scripture where it says, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. You know, when you decide to give, give with your whole heart, give with your whole might, and don't let the other hand see what it's doing. So I said, I said Brooke, why don't you take on the finances for a bit and you can, you can focus on that. You make that happen and I will just not forget about it. And I remember there were a couple of times where I'd sort of look at it and I'd, my, man, my heart would sink but I kind of think that's because my heart was in my treasure and not in the house of God. So I came to this conclusion. She took care of it. If God's word is true and giving commands a blessing, then it will happen. And as Brooke shared, whenever we have been in need, we have always made it through. There was a time where I was un- unwell. So, ha, ha, <laughs> so we were, we were dating, right? As, as all, all dating people do, we thought, oh, let's, let's you know, look forward to the future. Let's put a deposit on a block of land. So we put a deposit on a block of land. We'd been dating for a while. Yeah, it wasn't like one week and then, you know, <laughs> dating for a while. And, and, and life started happening. Then we got married. And so while our house was being built, we lived in this little one-bedroom shack down by the beach. It was bliss. And then I got unwell. I ended up being diagnosed with a disease that 
supposedly is with you for the rest of your life and it hit me for six. I couldn't work. I was in hospital for two months straight. I'd get out of hospital. There'd be a few months and then I'd end up back in hospital. It was this cycle that just went back and forth. And at that point, all our finances were in disarray. Brooke was earning money, but it was only a little bit. I wasn't earning money and I'd used all my sick leave and I was kind of like, God, how are we going to get through this? Well, God made a way in that space for us to be able to keep the house. I remember, like, Brooke moved in while I was in hospital. A bunch of guys from church came around and helped her move in and all the stuff was in the garage and she had to then place it into the rooms. No carpet because we couldn't afford it. Uh, All that sort of stuff. But God made a way and he continued to make a way as we were there. And so I have ebbed and flowed over the years on the thing of tithing. And, uh, you know, sometimes I've been like, well, you know, tithing is law and I'm not bound by the law. So therefore I don't have to do it. And it really rang true to me one day when we were talking about money and a person in in this group that we were talking about tithing said, well, I just figure that the pastors and leaders need to get paid and the bills need to get paid and so I'm just going to tithe anyway. And I'm kind of like, I never thought of that. I never thought that the house of God has needs, that the house of God has bills. I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like every time they do a building gathering or, or a building fun thing, then, you know, they just pay a huge chunk off and there's not ongoing bills. But I failed to think that there is ongoing bills, there's ongoing things. And uh, so that, that was a revelation in itself. So even then, that was one step closer to me being, okay, I'm going to give regularly because this is a need. My heart is for the house of God. I want to see the house of God prosper. I want to see the house of God do good things. If the minister up there is talking about doing stuff in the community, I want to be able to partner with that, partner with what God is doing, and that means keeping the lights on and keeping the doors open as well. See, sometimes I would use that freedom as an excuse to be bound by money. And uh, since I've been looking at this subject recently, I've, I've come to the conclusion that I think I've mentioned, that if I'm so worried about if I'm meant to tithe or not, then my heart's focused on the money and it's not actually focused on the kingdom. My heart's focused on the amount, not focused on Jesus and how he called us to give exuberantly, abundantly, give more out of this overflow that we have because he loved us first. The best thing I did at that time was to give Brooke permission to tithe for us. It took it out of my hands and I knew we were doing it, but I didn't have control of it. And so I knew that if it seemed like a tight week, well, she had already put that stuff away. And I couldn't say no. Oh, let's give this week a rest. So whichever side of the fence you think on, you you sit on today, um, the word says that God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. And that means that all the scriptures that command a blessing when we give 10% of our income are true, as true today as they are in the Old Testament. And I'm just going to leave you with that. I'm going back to the top of my notes now. Uh, I want to just mention here that I believe giving brings life. You know, Jesus was a generous person. Uh, He gave his life for all of us. And there's a scripture here which we will read later, which is in 2 Corinthians, and it's basically a revelation of 
of Paul. Um, but I find it interesting that I was, I was chatting to... Everyone remember Finney? Everyone know Finney? Finney and Iz? So I had a chat to him this week, and I was sharing what we were talking about these last couple of weeks, and he's just like, well, that's interesting, Caleb. I have, uh, last week as well, just spoken to our church on giving. Isn't that amazing? So I've ripped him off. Um, <laughs> and he mentioned uh, that giving brings life. And if I was to sort of really do my message well with three points and say, hey, this is what we're talking about today, I would have titled the me- message uh, that truly li- I'm truly living when I'm giving. In the area where Jesus did most of his ministry, there were two seas on either side. The Sea of Galilee, where it was teeming with life, vibrancy, and uh, the waters were full of fish. There were birds on the bank. There were people living on the edge of the waters, and it's where Jesus walked and did most of his ministry. And on the other side, there was another sea which nothing can live in. It was called the Dead Sea. What a fitting name, hey? And though the beautiful aqua water of the Dead Sea resembles part of the Caribbean, like it's pretty luscious and nice, looks can be deceiving because there are absolutely no plants, there is no fish and no visible life present in the Dead Sea due to its extreme salinity. The Dead Sea extracts life but gives none. And what's the difference? Well, the Dead Sea is fed with life-giving water, but then does nothing with it. It has no place to go. It stays in there until the sun evaporates and the salt keeps on building up. It's four times saltier than the sea. But then the smaller Sea of Galilee, well, that receives water and it does something with it which brings life and abundant life. Water flows through it, giving refreshment to many towns along its coast. There is birds, there is life, there's everything teeming around it. And in the same way, this can be like our finances. Our finances can be like the Dead Sea, where it comes into us and, and, and we keep it to ourselves and all we do is, is nothing with it. And it brings life to no one else other than ourselves. But when we have a revelation of giving, we realise that when money can thro- flow through us, it gives life to other things. It gives, like my story last week, that money on my seat that gave life to me. Not only did it reinvigorate the purposes of God in my life, but it, it re, re-established scripture that says God will look after you anyway. It brought life to that situation. And I, think, I can't help but think about our pillars here. The whole reason why we're talking about giving this these last two weeks is because it's in line with our pillars. Wisdom has built her house. And here are some pillars that our church stands by. And if you look in the middle there, it's giving, prophetic partners. So we are a people that seek the heart of God and we say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to give to? And then we pray about it and we move on it. And when we move on it, it brings life. And I'm going to show you how it brings life. If we have a look here, it's got temple the gathering. So this is this place here. If we have a revelation of giving to the house of God, well, it's going to keep the temple a place of gathering 
where life can be had, conversations about God can be had. You can be built up. We can have a family lunch out there, and it's going to build you up for the week. You're going to meet people that you've never met before, and it's going to be life-giving. It gives life. Growth. The house here is a place of growth. When we give to what God is doing, when we give to vision that God, that God places on our heart, it causes growth to happen, and it flows through us. Generations. Again, when we give, our heart is that we are a church of the generations. In fact, this year, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to share what has been brewing on our heart, Brooke and I and, and the eldership team here. We, we want to do more. We want to be able to invest into all age groups of the church. The young ones, the teenagers, and even the adults. We want to be able to do that. And so that's, when we give, it speaks to the generations. It then flows and gives life into those spaces because we're able to do programs. We're able to uh, create spaces where people can connect and can talk about the things of God. It's a thing that flows through. And then I look at grace and I think, well, isn't that the thing that God gives us? His grace is so rich and so beautiful in our lives. And if I'm honest with you, his grace and the grace that he's shown to me compels me to give to the things that his heart desires. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is taking up an offering. And he's taking up an offering for another church that doesn't have what the church has. And this scripture really paints such a beautiful picture how we are under grace, we have the freedom to give, and then why we give. And I just want to read this out now. It's 2 Corinthians 8. Oh, no, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. 7 to 8. No, 2 Corinthians 9, yes. Verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. What will protect you against sob stories? Or that will protect you against sob stories and arm-twisting because God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour out the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As the psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon, and his right living, right giving ways never run out or they never wear out. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant with you. Do I need to read that again? That's pretty nice. The most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way. 
producing with us great praise to God. Carrying out this social relief work, remember they're giving to another church, involves far more than helping meet the bare needs of poor Christians. It also produces abundant and bountiful thanksgivings to God. That sounds like life to me. This relief offering is a prod to live at your very best, showing your gratitude to God by being openly obedient to the plain meaning of the message of Christ. You show your gratitude through your generous offerings to your needy brothers and sisters and really toward everyone. Meanwhile, moved by the extravagance of God in your lives, they'll respond by praying for you in passionate intercession for whatever you need. Thank God for this gift, his gift. No language can praise it enough. Jesus once said you can't serve two masters. You can't serve one and not the other. You're either going to serve God or money. My prayer is that we as a people are free from that money money service because money is dead. Money is nothing but a piece of paper. You know, it, it, it actually can't control you. It can't do anything that you don't put it to. You control it. And uh, I just want to leave us with this. I want to leave us with the story of the lady with the alabaster jar because we've talked about tithing, we've talked about living, how it brings life. And uh, I think if... if if this, this argument of tithing is a thing in your mind, then go to, go to God with prayer, you know, pray about it and seek his heart on the subject because he calls us to more and this lady with the alabaster jar is, is a big one. So Matthew 26, 7. Don't worry, I'm not taking up an offering at the end of this message. <laughs> That'll be next week. <laughs> no. <laughs> 26.7. Now, I, I, just, I just want us all to ponder these things. I think it's important. It's important to think about. And uh, I could have given you a polished message, but instead I just wanted to be vulnerable with, with my thoughts. And I pray that some things speak to you through it. A woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you that when it, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. When we give with a heart for Jesus, with a heart that's beyond ourselves, it's worship. It's a way we worship. Don't be robbed of worshipping with everything you have. Father God, can I get Mao up? Is that all right? Thank you. I want to I create a, just an atmosphere where God can do some heart work because 
Talking about money is hard. It's hard because it's a big part of our lives. And at the end of the day, God is the one who's going to lead you in the right direction in whatever it is. And so I want to create a space for us to just spend some time with God and allow him to to speak to us. I believe that even this week he's going to speak to you in, in the area of giving or even help you become a little bit inquisitive about it and what it means. But let's take a moment with God. If we can have the lights down a bit and just get into an attitude of prayer, we'll just allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us right now. Oh, Lord Jesus. I love the picture that Leanne shared earlier about the veil being torn, how it seemed that your goodness, your like who you are, your presence was so inaccessible before. But then because of your blood, it made a way for us to be with you. Truth is you gave everything. Everything you had. And you said to your followers to do the same. And Lord, I just ask that this morning you just minister to us. That you keep speaking revelation into this space. And help us to be generous with what we have. Whether it's time, whether it's money. Whether it's attitude. that from today conversations that I had that you will be that you will bless them that you will be in the conversations that you will allow conversations to cultivate a heart for you because faith does play a role in our finances and our finances play a role in our faith going to have a couple of minutes of just quietness and we're just going to spend some time in his presence and then we'll uh, wrap up and have coffee.
this situation in hand. You, yes. you, you know it personally. He leans into your situation where things might be tight. Um, and Father, help us to steward our finances well, including leaving space, uh, forgiving and tithing and stepping into the fullness mm. of who you've called us to be because there are opportunities and blessings waiting for us. And we just uh, pray a blessing over our entire church. Yes, Father. What a good group of people we mm. have, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, babe. Good news is, next week we're not talking about giving or finances. (laughs) Because it is heavy, but it needs to be said. There's conversations that need to happen. And I do believe that this will even be a conversation that's ongoing. Uh, I've, I've got this little inkling in my mind where we can have sort of like a discussion panel around a table and talk. Talk about the nitty-gritty things that we don't always get to talk about on a Sunday. So, um, hey, let's have some coffee and some conversation. (laughs) Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can visit us at baysidechurch.org.au or listen to any more of our podcasts on your favourite listening app.